Thank you, everyone, for that warm welcome. I really appreciate it. Good morning. <laughs> I'm excited to be here with you today. I have a word in my heart that I can't wait to share. Um, it's been a year. <laughs> I was here with you last April, and so it's been almost a year. And so I take this opportunity um, very seriously. It's an honor to be with you. You know, this is an amazing place, Victory Christian Center. So, yes, go ahead. <laughs> The work that God has done here, the work that Bishop and Pastor Kathy, the work of so many over the years, what you have built here in all these amazing buildings, but more than that, in the heart of the people here. And so I know that this is a great privilege to be here, and so I don't take it lightly. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity, so thank you. So... We're going to have fun, right? <laughs> okay. So what I'm going to do today, um, last week, Pastor Juan preached on why come home. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay in that parable, the parable of the lost son. And, um, but first I want to sort of lay a foundation, an introduction based on Pastor Juan's third point from last week. So, Pastor Juan had three points. Why come home? Based on the story of the prodigal son. So first point is, we come home because we're broke. And the prodigal son spent it all and he was broke. So we come home because we're broke. Not only are we broke, financially, but we're broke in spirit. Our hearts are broken. Every person in this world is born broken. And so we have to come home. We have to come back to our Father, and he heals that brokenness. The second point is, like the prodigal son, we come home because we're hungry. <laughs> he was hungry. He was starving, basically. And he knew that even the servants in his father's household had enough to eat. That was one of his points. And so he came home because he was hungry. And that's what we do. We come home because we're hungry. Because only God can fill the inner hunger of our hearts. All of humanity has an inner hunger, and only God can fill that place. And then the third point, and this is where I want to just take a moment to talk about this morning, is that we come home because God is good. Yes, we come home because God is good. There was a day about, I'm going to guesstimate, about 12 years ago that I had no idea that God was good. Well, let me rephrase this. I knew here that God was good. 
But I had no idea here that God was good. See, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. I heard it over and over. If you've been in the church, you know you've heard it too. The preacher gets up and he says, God is good all the time. Yes. Now we're going to do that one more time. And if you didn't know, you're going to join us. Now you know. God is good all the time. Yes. And so that's what we would say. And I knew here God was good. I knew here that God was good, but I didn't know here. And see, Pastor Juan last week, he talked about how, you know, he sort of envisioned God, that God was just waiting with that belt behind his back, waiting for Juan to mess up and so that he could give him a good one. You remember that? I didn't view that, I didn't view God that way, but I, I viewed him more indifferent. You know? Like if I prayed hard enough, he would hear me, he would listen. When I'm doing really well, he would love me and be proud of me. Every now and then he would see me, notice me. But I didn't know that every day he was looking at me. He was caring for me. Every day he was wanting fellowship with me, to be with me. I had no idea. But one day, about 12 years ago, I was in a church service on the other side of the country at a conference. And the worship was wonderful, and there was a song that was being played. And Pastor Ben surprised me for the second service. He heard my story, and he surprised me. Thank you, Pastor Ben. And he sang it for us today. The song was, You are good. You are good. And your love endures. You are good. You are good. And your love endures. You are good, you are good, and your love endures today. And the song described 2 Chronicles 7, where the priests are dedicating Solomon's temple. The priest and Solomon are dedicating the brand new temple, God's temple. And in their dedication, the glory of God shows up in that place. His presence fills the place. And the priests are undone. And they can't do a thing except go to the ground. Their faces to the ground. And what comes out of their mouth according to Scripture? Say it with me. You are good. And your love endures forever. That's their response. And see, when you encounter God, 
when you encounter him, when you have an experience with him, you come up saying you are good. And your love endures. You are good. And your love endures. And that day, an amazing thing happened. I had a connection from here to here. A bridge was drawn. A revelation. Wow. God is not just cosmically out here good. Oh, but he's personally good to me. And no matter what I'm going through, no matter what trial I'm facing, now I know that God is good no matter what. So if sickness wants to knock on my door, disease wants to knock on my door, now I know, oh, okay, you want to come? Okay, fine. But when you come in, let me introduce you to the healer. When I'm faced with fear, <laughs> now I know that in God I'm as bold as a lion. See, it's adversity that shows you who God is. It's trial that shows you who God is. <laughs> if I didn't have anxiety, I wouldn't know he's my peace. If relationships weren't going crazy, I wouldn't know he's reconciliation. And the list goes on and on. The trials of our life show you who God is because he's the opposite of every bad thing. He's the opposite. And when you're faced with that, if you push through and into God, you'll discover a new part of him. Come on, somebody. So now, before I had these glasses on in which I viewed life, and these glasses were smudged and cracked and broken. And I'm looking through life smudged and cracked and broken. And when this happened, the Lord took those glasses and he gave me a new pair of glasses to view life. And on the arms of those glasses, it reads goodness and mercy. And now I see life, everything that I go through, through the lens of goodness and mercy. It changes everything. It changes everything. It changes the way you view God's word. You know, I saw God's word in a completely new way. Here's this one verse now. I grew up in the church all my life, and this is one of the first verses that God showed me in a new light with my new glasses. It's Matthew 5, 43 through 48. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So with these new glasses, I saw he causes the sun to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the unrighteous and righteous. You know, for all of my life as a believer... I thought the rain was a bad thing. He causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now with my new glasses and my new understanding, this, this Bible, this land that Jesus was talking to these people, Israel, the Israelites, in that time, in that region, it was a desert place. And they were farmers in a desert place. And every farmer knows that there are two things you need to have a good crop, to eat and live. You need the right amount of sun and the right amount of rain. See, we live in our Western world where it rains on our parade. And so we think rain is bad. But no, God was saying, I do good for the righteous and the unrighteous. I send the sun and I send the rain for those who love me and those who don't. And so this book came alive in a new way. Because I don't look at it now like he's angry. (laughs) Every verse comes alive and flows from his goodness. He's saying to us over and over, I am good. I am good. I am good. I am good. So last week, we talked about the lost son. And Jesus was hanging out with the sinners, spending time with the sinners. And so this conversation comes up. And Jesus always talks in parables because parables speak to the heart. They don't speak to the mind. They speak to the heart. And anyone who has an open heart can receive the story of the parable. So he speaks in parables and he has three stories about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and eventually a lost son. And so those lost and found are the two themes that are there. They're the obvious themes, lost and found. 
But there's another theme in there that I want us to see, and that's all of these stories have to do with spending. Say spending. There are two things, two major things we spend in life. We spend money and we spend time. Right? So the sheep and the coin are about somebody spending time to find it. The owner spending time. The parable of the lost son, it's about the spending of time and money. The title today, if I'm to title this, is The Big Spender. If any of you were Christians in the 70s and 80s, we had these things called chick tracks. Does anybody remember chick tracks? A few of you. <laughs> so trick, chick tracks, I want you to Google this when you go home, okay? Chick tracks. <laughs> they were these really cool things about this big, these little pamphlets, and we, we used them in that time to be witnessing tools. Every one of these had a story about the gospel. And they were in, um, not cartoon, what's the other word? Comic book. They were like a comic book. So Chick Track has one called The Big Spender. And it's about the prodigal son. <laughs> but really, there's two big spenders in this story. There's two big spenders in this story, and we're going to see who those two big spenders are in a second. But I want to make this clear. I want to make this point clear. There is spending that is wasting. And that's what we saw with the prodigal son. He spent and wasted at the same time. But then there is a spending that's not wasting. There's a spending in the kingdom of God that's not wasting. And God is the chief of all spenders. Jesus made this clear when, well, the fact that he made a whole huge earth for two people. <laughs> I mean, the generosity of a whole earth for two people. When Jesus was there feeding the 5,000, and look, there's stories among stories. I can, I can, they're innumerable. But Jesus is there, and there are 5,000 who follow him. And he turns to his disciples and says, Feed them. And they say, Jesus, it will take half a year's wage to feed them. He wasn't concerned about that. Jesus wasn't concerned about that. Another spending that happened in Scripture was the week of Jesus' death. He's there. And he's having dinner with one of the Pharisees or whatever. <laughs> and in comes a woman, and she has a jar of costly perfume. The scripture says it was worth a year's wages. The median salary 
in the U.S. today is 61, I believe, thousand dollars. Sixty thousand dollars in this jar. This jar worth $60,000. And she takes this jar and breaks it open and spills it all out at the feet of Jesus. And the disciples say, what a waste. What a waste. Jesus, we could have fed the poor with that. And Jesus says, no, not all spending is wasting. Not all spending is wasting when it's for the kingdom of God. And she prepared for his burial, and it wasn't wasting at all. The other two things that show that God is not, he's not concerned with spending. Do you know that Moses' tabernacle in today's economy would be worth $200 million. They were slaves. They were slaves, and they just come out of Egypt, and they build a tabernacle for $200 million. Solomon's temple, in today's estimate, is worth $200 billion. Do you think God was concerned with that? Because in the kingdom, spending is not wasting. The rich young ruler, Jesus said, he wanted, he wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus said, sell all you have and follow me, because spending isn't wasting. Give all you have to the poor. Come follow me. And he couldn't do it. He walked away sad. But what is it to Jesus? He doesn't care. Because in the kingdom, spending is not wasting. So let's read. our story, our, our prodigal son story. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to skip around a little bit because we read a lot of it last week. But I want to highlight some things to you. So in Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 11, and again, we're going to skip around, okay? So Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Verse 19. But while he was still a long way off, so this is, we've fast forwarded. The son did all his spending and living it up, sinful life, right? So now he's, he's coming back home. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. 
The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Down to verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and, you, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father, said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. See, I have three, three small little points today. And hopefully you're going to find yourself in one of these three little points. And the first point is that the younger son dishonored the father by wasting the inheritance. Right? The younger son dishonored the father by wasting the inheritance. See, he spent and wasted. And number two, the eldest son honored the father by not wasting the inheritance. He didn't waste it. But I would propose to you that neither had love for the father. Neither son had love for the father. Why? Because love spends. Love spends. Point number three. The love the father had caused him to spend the inheritance. See, there's two spenders in the story. There's one who spent and wasted. But we miss the fact that there's another spender in the story, and that's the father. The father spent everything for the love of his boys. The inheritance was for when, when he was gone. But because of love, he gave the inheritance early. And if you look at the scripture, it's very clear that he, that he divided it between his two boys. So it wasn't just the younger son that got the inheritance. The elder one got it too. They both got the inheritance one squandered it, one did nothing with it. Point 
Folks, we have an inheritance. In Christ Jesus, we have an inheritance. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. So what's our response? See, I'm convinced that neither one of those sons knew that their daddy was good. Because they would have treated him much different. They would have treated the inheritance much different if they knew that their daddy was good. And that's why I began this message telling you God is good. He's not just cosmically out here good. He's good to you. He's good to you. And those boys didn't know that their daddy was good until they came to that place at the end of the story where one receives his forgiveness and the other one is confronted by their daddy. And he says, the eldest says to his father, you're going to receive this sinner when I've been slaving for you all these years and you haven't even given me a goat. And the father says, wait a second. Wait a second. All I have is yours. All I have, I gave to you. All I have is yours. So there's three responses. We can either waste what God has given us. Like the prodigal, we can waste it on our selfish living. Come on, Americans. We can waste it on our selfish living. Or we could be like the eldest. And we can do nothing with our inheritance. Sit on our hands doing nothing. Not taking advantage of the riches of his inheritance in Christ Jesus. In the people of God. We, we could be like that. We could respond that way and do nothing. Feel like I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give. Don't you know what's in you? Don't you know what's in you, folks? Don't you know the riches that's in you? The riches of his inheritance in you. And I think that's where many of us are. We're not squandering, but we don't know what's been given to us. We don't know what's been given to us. 
Let's not be the eldest son. Let's not be him. Or we can be like the father. We can be like the father who for love spent everything. He's the big spender of the story. He's the big spender of the story. The father, he spent it all on his sons because he loved them. Do you know you have a father in heaven who spent it all because he loved you? See, what's money to the father? It's nothing. Money is nothing to the father. What was everything to the father? It was Jesus. Jesus was everything. And he spent Jesus, he spent everything on you and I. See, in the kingdom of God, spending isn't wasting when it's out of love. Spending isn't wasting when it's out of love. We're coming into a time and a season here at Coitsville Campus, Victory Christian Center, where we're going to be talking about vision and where we're going as a church. And it's time for all of us, including me, all of us, we need to come to the place where we're willing to say, yes, God, I will spend for the kingdom. I will spend it all for the kingdom. Love spends. And if there's anything that I want you to remember today, it's that love spends. If we're people that love God and love others, then we have to be big spenders too. Now I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about a heart and a lifestyle of generosity that gives it all away that doesn't hold anything back for the cause of the kingdom of God. He was the great spender, the big spender, and he's looking to all of us saying, will you spend like I spent? Are you wasting? Are you doing nothing? Or are you spending for love? One last verse. Matthew 16, 24 through 27, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. There's a dying in this life. There's a spending in this life. See, what, what we don't know is that when we lose our life for him, we find life. We find a new life. We find a life we, ne we never knew was possible when we let go of the one we're so desperately trying to hold 
onto. When we let that go, there's new life in him. And he, he wants every one of his children to spend it all. To spend it all. To spend it all for the kingdom. To spend it all for the gospel, for the good news. For the saving of souls. Spend our lives. Can everyone stand? There's a cry in this place. I believe it with all my heart. A yes cry. A yes cry. You've heard my words. And they've beat it into your chest, into your belly. And you want to say yes. Yes to spend for love. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand over your heart. Now we're going to end the way we normally do. But I just want, before we do that, I just want to take a moment to solidify this moment. This yes moment. I believe there's a yes moment where you're saying yes. I will spend. I will be like my father. I will not be like one of those sons, but I will be like my father. And I say yes. Yes to spending. So I want you to just say that under your breath. Say it to him. In simple terms, just say yes. God, we say yes. In this crowd of people, Lord, we say yes to this call again to come higher. This call again. We respond to you, Jesus, and we say yes to your kingdom. We say yes to the heart of the Father. We say yes. I'll have the prayer team. Come on up now. Honey, can you come? I'm going to let you. As the prayer team is coming, these are leaders that help us to pray for people. And I'm going to believe that we received a word from the Lord this morning. Really. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do like we do every Sunday. In just a few moments, my wife and I, we're going to pronounce a blessing over you. And at the end of that blessing, you'll be dismissed to come and receive prayer. My wife and I, what we like to typically do is to sneak out and go out into the foyer. And if we've never met you before, we'd love to meet you. If it's been a long time that we've had an opportunity to say hello, we'd love to do that. But before you um, try to race out and and, and either meet us or, or get to where you're going. If you need prayer for any reason, any reason at all, we want to pray for you. It's what we do here at Victory. We pray for people. You don't have to be a member of Victory to receive prayer this morning. 
You don't have to be a bad person to receive prayer. I've learned that all of us need prayer. I need prayer. You need prayer. And so if you're here today and you need prayer for any reason, any reason at all, then at the end of this blessing, you just join all the others and come out of your seat and you just come on down and someone, one of these leaders, they'll pray with you. And so if you're here and maybe it's a physical need that you have, you need healing. Maybe it's not physical. Maybe it's in your relationship. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's a job situation. Whatever it is. Maybe you're here and you're far from God. But you don't have to be. If you're here and you're far from God, Jesus made a way for you to have a relationship with God the Father who is good. And so if that's you, you can join all the others. And when you come up, just let them know. Someone up here knows. Say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. And they'll guide you into that relationship. They'll pray with you. So if you're here and you need prayer for any reason, at the end of this blessing, you just come and receive prayer. So keep your, keep your eyes open and keep your hearts open. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center, we bless you. We bless you to know your God is good to you personally. We bless you to know him and make him known. And may you be like your father. That love would cause you to spend your life and to be spent for that which matters most to him. We bless you in every area and in every way. May your homes be blessed. May your jobs be blessed. May your relationships and families be blessed by his presence. And may your life be blessed. May this week, may you know the love and goodness of the Father in a brand new and an exceptional way. And may you leave here blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Listen, come on, if you need prayer. We want to pray for you this morning. Just come.